Hello, hello. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church. Welcome for the first time or welcome back to Redemption's podcast. I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and to like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on, Redemption? My name is Casey Jordan. I'm the Director of Discipleship here, and I am so glad that you're joining us this weekend because we are continuing on in our series called SOS. Throughout this series, we are looking at the lives of men and women who found themselves in really desperate situations, uh, situations in which there was nothing that they could do. They could not depend on themselves. They had to depend entirely upon God. And so this weekend, we're looking at the life of a man named Joseph or Jophus, as my niece Annie calls him. Uh, I have another niece named Kennedy, and Kennedy is going to be two in just a couple of weeks. And I love this girl so much. Uh, She is a busy buddy. She is constantly on the go. She is an endless supply of joy and energy, and I love that about her. She also hates to be contained. She hates to be contained. And so at mealtime, when we gather together, you know, for dinner, we we have to strap her into her high chair or her booster seat because if we don't, she'll throw herself out of it and probably get really hurt. So for her own good, we have to strap her in. But she doesn't understand that. Uh, Instead, one of the first words that I actually ever heard Kennedy say was the word stuck. When she got to the point where she just couldn't stand being contained any longer, uh, she would look at her mom and dad and she would say, stuck, stuck. And her mom and dad, inevitably, my my brother and sister-in-law, would look at her and smile and shake their heads and say, Kennedy, you're not stuck. We put you there. You're not stuck. We put you there. And she doesn't get it. She doesn't, doesn't get it. And so often, neither do we. We've all felt stuck before, haven't we? Maybe you've been stuck in a job that you hate. Or maybe you've been stuck in a relationship that's, that's really difficult and, and complex to navigate. Or, or maybe you've been stuck in a, in a town that you just you want to leave. We've all experienced being stuck. Now, sometimes when we're stuck, it's because we haven't done what we need to do to get unstuck. We haven't sent our resume out and gone looking for other jobs. We, we haven't uh, confronted that difficult relationship uh, and dealt with it head on. We, we haven't just packed our bags and, and gone where we feel like God is calling us to go. Sometimes we're stuck because of our own choices, but, but other times we're actually stuck. There, there's actually nothing that we can do. Now, if you've never experienced that kind of stuck before this year, you've experienced it this year, right? Uh, we spent weeks and months on end being stuck, literally stuck. We couldn't leave our homes. So if you didn't know what it was like before 2020, you know what it's like now. We, we were all stuck. We've all been stuck. We've all felt like we're strapped in. We've all felt like there is nothing we can do to change our situation. Joseph was no stranger to being stuck. Uh, We're first introduced to him in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And he has a crazy story, but his story spans so many chapters that I'm just gonna summarize it for you, okay? So Joseph uh, was one of 12 sons. He had 11 brothers, but he was the favorite. 
he was the favorite. He was his father's favorite. His father lavished gifts upon Joseph and just made it very clear to the other 11 that this is my favorite son. Well, his brothers didn't like that so much, as you could imagine. They, they were angry and jealous. And so they started to, to uh, con contrive this plan to get rid of Joseph. They weren't sure what to do, so they threw him into a pit. That was the first time Joseph was stuck. They threw him, literally threw him into a pit so he couldn't get out while they figured out, what do we do with this guy? How do we get rid of him? Then uh, a band of traveling merchants happened to be passing through the area. And so Joseph's brothers sold him to this traveling band of merchants and then convinced their father that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. Well, this traveling band of merchants uh, is on their way to Egypt. So once they get to Egypt, they sell Joseph into slavery. They sell him to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was an officer in, in Pharaoh's army. So once again, Joseph is stuck. He, he was stuck in the pit, and now he's stuck in slavery. Well, Joseph was apparently a pretty good-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife took notice. When Joseph rejected her advances, uh, she turned around and accused him of, um, well, I'll let you read it for yourself in the book of Genesis, chapter 39. Let's just put it this way. Pharaoh was livid. He was livid. He was livid. And so he throws Joseph in prison for something he didn't do. And once again, Joseph finds himself stuck, first in the pit, then in slavery, and now in prison. Um, now, while he was in prison, uh, he met two other servants in Pharaoh's court. He met a baker and a cupbearer. And one night, both the baker and the cupbearer had these, these crazy dreams, and they, they woke up just disturbed by them. Uh, they were trying to figure out what they meant, what was this about? And Joseph, that, that morning, noticed that they were troubled, and so he asked them about it. He said, what's, like, guys, what's going on? What's, what's the deal? Why, are you, why, why do you look so disturbed? And so each one told Joseph about, about his dream. And God gave Joseph wisdom and insight, and Joseph was able to tell the baker and the cupbearer exactly what these dreams meant. The, the baker, unfortunately, uh, would not be released um, from prison. Instead, he would be executed. The cupbearer, on the other hand, would be released in just three days' time. And so Joseph asked the cupbearer, please remember me when you're released. Please plead my case before Pharaoh. I'm an innocent man. I, I'm in, in here for something I didn't do. Will you please remember me? And the cupbearer says, yes, of course, I will remember you. I will remember you. But as soon as the cupbearer got out, he forgot. He forgot entirely about Joseph. For two years, he forgot. Never crossed his mind to go to Pharaoh and, and beg for the release of this innocent man. So Joseph stayed in prison two more years. It wasn't until Pharaoh had a disturbing dream that the cupbearer remembered Joseph. The Bible tells us that, that Pharaoh desperately tried to figure out what this dream meant, this dream that so disturbed him. And he called in the best and the brightest throughout Egypt, and no one could tell him what his dream meant. And so the cupbearer comes in and says, I, I know someone. There was this guy in prison named Joseph, and, and he told Pharaoh the whole story about how Joseph had interpreted uh, his dream and the baker's dream, and, and everything Joseph had said had come true. And so Pharaoh calls for him. He says, bring, bring me that guy. Bring me Joseph. Um, so God once again gives Joseph insight, and Joseph tells the Pharaoh exactly what his dreams mean. Egypt is about to experience seven years of abundance. It's going to be an incredible economic time in the land of Egypt. But after those seven years, there will be seven years of famine. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be the worst 
famine this land has ever seen. And so Joseph advises Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, uh, I, you need to place a competent man in charge um, to, to really begin preparing uh, during the years of abundance for the years of famine. You need to begin storing up food and resources. You need to begin rationing now. Um, so that way when, when the famine comes, Egypt can handle it. Uh, we, we won't starve here. Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph that he says, I know just the guy, you. You're going to be that guy. You're going to be the one who oversees this whole process of, of gathering and rationing food so that we are equipped to handle the famine. And so Pharaoh makes Joseph second in command, only to Pharaoh himself. Joseph is now the second most powerful man in one of the most powerful empires in the entire history of the world. That's a crazy story, right? Like absolutely crazy story. Joseph had been stuck for so many years. He had been stuck in the pit. He had been stuck in slavery. He had been stuck in prison. And finally, finally, he was free. And not only free, but powerful, enormously powerful. Now, I've read Joseph's story dozens of times throughout my life. And this time though, when I went back through it, when I was reading it again, I was reading it through the lens of being stuck. And I noticed a really interesting detail that I had never noticed before. Twice in the story, it says that God was with Joseph and gave Joseph success in everything he did. Two times in the story. Now you would think, uh, yeah, of course, obviously God gave Joseph success. Like he became the, the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Like no kidding, that kind of goes without saying, right? But here's what's interesting. Uh, the two times that it says that, neither one, is when Joseph rose to power. The first time is in Genesis chapter 39, verses two and three. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's household. Now to us, Success would look like God orchestrating his release from slavery, right? Like that, that's what we assume it would look like for God to give Joseph success. We assume it would mean freedom, and, and, right? That's what we would, we would imagine, but that's not what God did. That's not what God did. So think about this for a minute. Play this out in your mind. What does it look like for God to give success to a slave? What, what does success look like in that context? Well, it means that God gave him success in every menial task that he was assigned. It means that God gave him success in every seemingly insignificant responsibility he was asked to carry out. That's what it looks like. Potiphar took notice and promoted him basically to chief slave. So he didn't give him his freedom, he promoted him to chief slave. Um, Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his entire household, but he was still a slave. Joseph was still a slave, he was still stuck. God didn't take Joseph out of his situation. Instead, he worked in and through his situation. The second time we see uh, the Bible tell us that God was with Joseph and gave him success happens just a little bit later in that same chapter. It says this, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took, took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. 
So this time Joseph is in prison. He is still stuck. He's still stuck. And once again, God doesn't take him out of his situation. So what does it look like? Let's play this out again. What does it look like for God to give Joseph success as a prisoner? Honestly, much like it did when God gave him success as a slave in these menial tasks, in these seemingly insignificant responsibilities. But once again, God doesn't take him out. Um, the prison warden responded the way that Potiphar did. He recognized that God was with Joseph and causing him to succeed. And so he put him in charge of all the other prisoners. He basically promotes Joseph to chief prisoner, right? We're playing the same story out again, but God doesn't take him out. God doesn't give him his freedom. He was still a prisoner. He was still stuck. But here's the point. It's so easy for us to believe when we feel stuck that God has abandoned us. It's so easy for us to be convinced that, that he doesn't hear our prayers, that he's not working in and through us, that he's just gone, that he doesn't care. That, that's the only explanation we can sometimes come up with for why we're stuck. But the story of Joseph teaches us otherwise. It, it teaches us that God doesn't always take us out of our difficult circumstances, but he can and does work in and through them. Um, let me take this just one step further, uh, maybe put this another way. So I love the show Community. I love it. Uh, it came out kind of around the time of uh, The Office and Parks and Rec. It was kind of that era, but I only discovered it a handful of years ago. And basically the premise uh, of the show, it, it takes place around this Spanish study group and uh, at, at a community college, hence the name Community. Um, one of the, the group members is a guy named Abed. Abed is, is, is maybe my favorite character in the show, but Abed loves television. He loves it. And so he refers to the other characters as characters and whatever they're going through as a group as an episode, which is hilarious because they are actually characters and they actually are in an episode. And so there's one episode uh, in which another group member named Annie loses a pen. And Annie becomes absolutely convinced that one of the other group members stole her pen. And she will not let anyone leave the study room until they find her pen. And I love what Abed says. He says, I hate bottle episodes. I hate bottle episodes. They're wall-to-wall -wall facial expressions and emotional nuance. I might as well sit in the corner with a bucket on my head. So he refers to this as a bottle episode. A bottle episode in television jargon is basically a throwaway episode. It's filler. Uh, they're really cheap to produce because they don't change locations. There's no wardrobe changes. Uh, it's really just kind of a throwaway episode. It doesn't develop any of the characters. It doesn't advance the story. You could say that, that uh, the show is stuck for an episode. When it comes to the Christian life, there is no such thing as a bottle episode. There's no such thing. There is no throwaway situation. There is no filler episode. There is no situation, no circumstance uh, that God can't work in and through to develop our character and to advance our story. There is simply no such thing as a bottle episode. Now think, think back to Joseph for just a minute. Um, see, he had to spend time uh, in Potiphar's house as a slave in order to get to the prison. It wasn't a bottle episode. He had to get to the prison in order to meet the cupbearer. He had to meet the cupbearer in order to be introduced to Pharaoh. He had to be forgotten by the cupbearer so that he would still be in prison two years later when Pharaoh and all of Egypt needed him most. Not a single situation that Joseph went through was a bottle episode. Not, not a single one. And that brings us to our bottom line. 
God doesn't always take us out of our difficult circumstances, but he can work in and through our difficult circumstances. But, and this is really important, God doesn't work in and through them without us. He doesn't work in and through them without us. Here's what I mean. God calls us to depend and to do. Depend and to do. Uh, that, that God was with Joseph tells us that Joseph had to depend on God. He had to trust that God was with him. He had to believe that God had not abandoned him. He, he had to depend on God. Um, he had to trust that. Uh, that God gave Joseph success tells us that Joseph had work to do. In fact, that's exactly the phrasing that we get in the Bible. Uh, the Bible says that God gave Joseph success in everything he did. In other words, Joseph was not a spectator to this unfolding story. He was a participant. He was a participant. He had work to do. He had to depend on God, and he had to do the work put before him. Now, I don't know what difficult circumstances you find yourself in right now. I have no idea. I don't know where you feel stuck. What I do know is that God has not abandoned you. I know that. Um, what I do know is that God can give you success. He can work in and through you, whatever your circumstances may be right now. Um, it may not look the way that you expect or hope, but in the Christian life, there is no such thing as a bottle episode. God can use whatever situation you're in to develop your character and to advance your story. And that's exactly what he intends to do. In the Christian life, there's no such thing as a bottle episode. Um, the question is not whether God can or even will work in and through our situations. The question is whether or not we'll let him. Will we depend upon him? Will we, will we do what he's given us to do? So let me pose that uh, to you as a, as a question for you to reflect on. Are you depending on God? Wherever you feel stuck, are you depending on God? Do you trust that he's with you, um, that, that he knows where he's taking you, that, that you're stuck because he put you there for a purpose. Are you doing what he's given you to do? Or are you taking the opportunities before you to, to love and to serve and to give? Or are you taking the opportunities before you to grow in, in grace and in patience? Are you faithful in, in even the menial and, and seemingly insignificant responsibilities that he's laid before you. I don't know what God has given you to do, but I do know this. He expects you to be a participant, not a spectator. But he doesn't just want that for you. He wants that for us. He wants that for us as a community. He wants to work in and through this community, but that takes us depending on him together. It takes us doing what he has called us to do together. That's what it takes. It will take us trusting and praying. It will take us loving and serving and giving. God intends to develop the character of this community. God intends to advance our story and his story in and through this community. You're not living a bottle episode, and neither are we. Let me pray for us. Lord God, uh, thank you. Thank you that, that there is no such thing as a bottle episode. God, thanks, thanks that you see our situations, uh, that you are working in and through them, um, even if you don't take us out of them. God, thank you uh, that you're aware of our situations and that you actually do care about them and you want us to come to you. You want us to depend on you. You want us to do what you've called us to do. God, we don't want to be spectators. We want to be participants. 
Um, we want to work with you and not against you. We know that you have not abandoned us, and we know that you're at work to develop our character and to advance your story in our lives. So God, thank you for the story of Joseph. Thank you for all that it teaches us. And God, thank you for this community. Thank you that we're in this together, uh, that we get, to, we get to learn and grow together. Um, we're so grateful for you, for what you've done, and for the people that you've brought together here at Redemption. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being here this weekend. Redemption, uh, it was such a joy to be with you. I hope you'll join us next weekend as we continue on in our series. We'll be looking next week at the life of a man named David, and you are not going to want to miss it. So thanks for being here, and we will see you soon.